Whether as a gift for someone special or as a legacy for your grandchildren, a documentary from Family History Films is the perfect way to connect with your past. The films are personalized and personal. They're built around interviews with you and your family members. Your memories are the most important source. The process works wonders for older clients, letting them relive their memories, not just by helping to make the films, but by watching them. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Before we get into the show, I want to thank everyone who tunes in regularly. And if this is your first episode, welcome! I want to encourage all of you to follow me on social media. All of the links are in the show notes. My social media accounts are full of details about mom visits, my own life, podcasting, and most importantly, cute dog photos and videos. I share advice from guests and other caregivers to give you as much support as I can. Now on to the show. So you are John from Family History Films. Thank you for joining me. I am indeed, uh, Jen. Thank you for uh, good morning, I should say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, thank you for sponsoring. I'm very excited to learn more about Family History Films. Like, um, how did you guys st get started? What was the um, inspiration? Well, the inspiration was uh, to enable people, uh, ordinary pe folk who aren't uh, celebrities, uh, to have their own version, if you like, of one of those TV shows, the sort of who do you think you are type things or find, find my roots. Um, and that was my business partner's idea. And when he uh, approached me with it, um, it was almost an instant fit. Uh, not only am I, do I have a natural interest in history and that sort of thing, but um, I had been running a uh, video business before that, and we'd been making, I'd been making film for major corporations uh, for a number of years. Um, and so it fitted in that way. But the, but the really good fit was the fact that, and this is why, I'm, to be honest, why I'm, I'm really interested in, in being on your show here, is because I too have had both grandparents and parents with dementia. Uh, and uh, I could see that it was going to be of value from that perspective. I understood, I mean, anybody of a certain age is going to understand that you lose your parents, your grandparents and so on in time. And you, you find that there comes a time when your kids ask you a question and you think you'll phone so-and-so and you remember that they're not here anymore. Um, and it's even more the case when th th this, this, um, this creeping up of dementia happens and you start to lose the person and, and, and all their memories. So, I was very conscious that it's so important to preserve family memory, memories and the memories of, of, of the voices and memories of loved ones. Um, and whilst we were whilst we were going through the motions of setting this up, I did a, I had a, some words, some consultations, meetings with people uh, in the neuroscience world. And what really fascinated me is what they were telling me about the importance of memory procurement on the on the aging brain 
Um, clearly, it's not. The, the, there is no magic uh, wand here, but um, it does have measurable and noticeable benefits. On, uh, uh, just the process of memory procurement. So those were the inspirations. It was a it was a natural fit, and there was a, and and there was something inherently good about doing it. Well, they look fantastic. I'm. I would have to think long and hard about which part of the family history I want to trace and do this with. So a lot of options. My, let's see. Well, my, my DNA ancestry is very, very British. So I could come over into Scotland and you guys could trace some stuff there for me. Absolutely. <laughs> I would make a very great trip. <laughs> We'd be delighted. It's on the list. <laughs> I just added it last week. This memory procurement, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because that sounds very interesting. What's the what's the benefits or just explain it to me because I'm not, I don't know if it's early or if it's, I'm not following too well. Well, uh, it, there are, I suppose it, it operates at a number of levels. So let's take um, an older generation, somebody's uh, mom or dad who is involved in in the film perhaps they're retired perhaps they're a little they're, they're likely to be potentially a little less active than once they were it's just good to bring them in it makes them feel good and just brings joy to everybody if we then look at the same thing but with a brain that is it may have the beginnings of dementia or is, is, is aging in some way. What is clear, and this is what was interesting about speaking with these neuroscience guys, um, is that the, the process of procuring a memory, so let's suppose you give me or I give you some photographs to look at or some old objects or documents. What this does to the brain is it fires up synapses which, if you like, it's a bit like getting on the treadmill or anything else and physically exercising. You're physically exercise, you're in many ways, literally physically exercising the brain, and you're firing up bits of it that haven't been used in a while, and it's it, it's exercising the brain. And as I understand it, I'm not a neuroscientist myself, but as I understand it, it it has the potential to uh, remake reform connections in the brain that perhaps were, were um, becoming disconnected. It's a really interesting area. Um, and I, I know that work is ongoing in that, uh, in that area. That's really interesting. I can see how that works. And as a photographer also, I have thousands and thousands of pictures. So I might have to go in the, uh, the uh, keepsake closet and pull out some of the old family photos that um, came to me after my dad passed away. Unfortunately, there's a lot of lost history because people didn't write on the back of them. Yeah. And on my mom's side of the family, we have three generations with memory loss, so there's a lot of lost history. But I might have to be a challenge. My grandmother will be 102 at the end of March. Wow, that's phenomenal. Yeah, so I there's photo, maybe I'll have to, she's mostly blind, and now she's becoming hard of hearing. So I need to, I need to extract some of those memories out of her before it gets in any more difficult. Yeah, you should certainly do that. So tell me about some of the projects you guys have done. Like 
interesting histories you've uncovered or you guys have been in business two years? Uh, we've, I think we've, we've been running about three years now. We've had two, we've had two, I would say two serious years at it, in which time we've done a number of projects for a number of people. Um, you, you, uh, you, I'm just going to touch on one thing on the, on the uh, project side first, because you reminded me of it when you asked, when you mentioned photographs and the fact that nothing's ever indexed. One of the things that we do in making a film is inevitably we gather what assets the family might have. We actually make the film with assets that they don't have in order to bring the past to life. We'll use historical footage and that sort of thing. But um, what we've found uh, and the way things have developed is that because we're looking at people's archives anyway, very often photographs, but often a lot more than that, we found ourselves getting involved with people being frustrated with exactly the situation that you've mentioned. And they know that as soon as mum or dad or, 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 or grandma, as soon as they've gone, there is nobody any longer to ask. And therefore, one of the things we've got involved in is, is, is archiving, providing an archiving service where we order things, index them, and then and digitize them so that they all end up online and that's 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 has become part and parcel of a number of uh, a number of projects um in terms of 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 film projects well you know we have had uh one of my favorite things, because I mentioned bringing joy, it did bring a lot of joy and happiness, was spending a couple of weeks driving around Pennsylvania with, uh, with, a, with an, uh, an older couple, um, bringing their um, history as they recall it back to life. So we are talking about being, you know, first-hand experiences, you know, from certainly the 1940s onwards, um, and that was a different world for many, for many of us and certainly for our children. Uh, what, what was going on then was completely different. So it's quite important to be able to, to have, have uh, uh, made that and recorded it. And in, in, in that uh, particular case, we also went back and traced um, both, uh, both sides of the couple. We, we traced them both back. And in one case... Uh, we got back to, uh, I think, we're pretty much 11th century German nobleman, um, a, a guy who was imprisoned for murder, jumped out of his cell into the river, was then pardoned and nicknamed the Springer. And indeed, that, that was the relevant uh, family surname coming down the line. We had... Uh, we were able to trace back, maybe of interest to you, we were able to trace back on the other side um, the, the male line back to a Scottish, their original Scottish clan. Um, I think we were certainly in 11th century, if not 10th century Scotland. We found the clan origins up in the Highlands and there's even the remnants of a, of a castle up there. From, from a medieval castle. Um, obviously, you know, generically we are, because we are transatlantic, um, we, you know, migration is a common theme. So people with roots in Europe 
we also have people who've uh, in some ways done things, they've done things the other way, or we have UK families uh, who um, have lost part of a family who disappeared off to uh, to North America in a migration a hundred years ago, so it works. It's, it is quite a transatlantic thing, and migrations are nearly nearly always come into it. And with each of those, are often some quite harrowing and tough stories of uh, challenges, poverty, you know, people that had no option but to migrate, and and so on. Very interesting stuff. That sounds fantastic, and. Now I'm all curious about my clan. It's the uh, Grahams of Monteith. Oh, right. According to family history, legend, I don't know. <laughs> the interesting thing, my daughter and I did the generic DNA testing. Back several years ago, my maternal grandfather and my mother were tracing the family tree, and they ran into a roadblock with, I believe she would have been my three times great-grandmother, who was allegedly a Native American. Now, she did not show up in the generic DNA testing that so many people are doing these days. So that's kind of interesting to me. Was was Did they hit this roadblock because she was Native American and obviously they don't have government papers? Or, you know, and why didn't she show up in the DNA? So I may just have to start with myself and <laughs> see how far back you can go. Yeah, the, that would be interesting. Yeah, and we we do. I mean, on that, so we have a and we have a well a, a worldwide um, uh, research uh, network. So um, often of great importance is our, our experts in in um, in Scotland, in Ireland, and in uh, in the different regions of England. Um, England itself being more than one country at one time, so um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. We, we you know we've uh, we've uh, we're currently doing some research in Egypt um, mm. for somebody with some Egyptian heritage. Um, uh, likewise, we might find ourselves researching in in uh, the Indian subcontinent. Egypt, that must be very fascinating. Well, I mean, there's a there's a very rich seam of uh, history for for Conte, but I mean, just going back 150 or so years, it's just as interesting there as it is. You know, people that have crossed the Atlantic or people that have crossed the Pacific or anywhere else during a migration. Um, it's uh, it, the same sort of thing. In, in the case of Egypt, it was because they came from Upper Egypt which to you or I is the bottom of Egypt, just to make it easy, <laughs> um, towards what is now Cairo. <clears throat> um, that, that was the big thing at one time, as, as things effectively sort of industrialised. So. Interesting. So if somebody like myself wanted to get started, where... Where should they start, maybe even before they contact you, or should they contact you first and you can guide them? We tend to, what we will do is we will tend to do everything. So we will obviously take on board what people know. That's important. Um, and then we will we will start with a, effectively a clean sheet of paper. We will understand what people do know about their forebears. Sometimes people don't even know uh, as far back as grandparents. You know, there are some situations where 
people just don't know very much. Other cases where there are, but we will start with a clean sheet of paper and we will do things the old fashioned way to the extent that we will um, build a tree and get the get the information that we can about every likely component on, on that tree. Now, this is not just a, a, an exercise in charting genealogy. Um, what we're doing when we're doing that is we're looking for stories. And so we find people who might have, you know, there were sham marriages, there were the, the people who got ended up in the workhouse, people got thrown off their land, um, people owned pubs or hotels or um, got into trouble in business or succeeded in business. There is, it's, a, it's a rich tapestry and every uh, family has successes and failures. And actually it's illustrating those stories that tells future generations exactly um, who they are and where they've come from. It's quite significant actually. It remind, just listening to you reminds me of a story. I have no idea how valid it is. I believe it would be my two times great aunt on my maternal side, my mom's maternal side. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. My mom's great aunt. There we go. And allegedly, she was a rum runner during Prohibition and would have a can full of gemstones, diamonds is the family history, and uh, I don't know where those diamonds all went. <laughs> nobody in the family has got that kind of riches. But that's that would be an interesting story to trace. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you an example of uh, of a family that ended up in Canada, um, and the our client was actually in the UK. But the this, this particular bit of the story is a, is a chap who ended up in Canada. But his, his life had started as, an, as a, an emigrant from Ireland to Liverpool in industrial, in the, in, during the Industrial Revolution in, in England in the um, uh, early to mid-1800s. And the, the appalling conditions in which they lived and worked in and around the docks in Liverpool uh, is something else. And the result was that the... Our, our subject here uh, lost both his parents, aged about nine, along with his uh, brothers and sisters. They were orphaned. They were destined, therefore, for the workhouse, uh, which is how things were dealt with in those days. Um, and a couple uh, took them in and, uh, and gave them shelter and treated them like their own children. And then we, fi we find that this guy then lifts his own family and his adoptive family out of poverty by forming a business which becomes very successful and then his successors end up in in canada but this this business survived right through to about 1980 so it's a fantastic story and just like yours i like the rum running i have to say uh these are just just fascinating stories and quite emotional often as well yeah i can see that now, I have, because my mom's side of the family was not good at cataloging the photographs, I have hundreds that I have some idea of what side of the family they belong to, 
Some of them line up with family lore. I don't even want to say history, but it could be the history. So if I've got all these photographs that I'm not sure what the connections are, how do you guys deal with that? And my husband, when three years ago, when my father died, he said I should scan all of them, which nobody has that kind of time. And basically, he, his opinion was AI eventually would figure out who all these people in the photographs were. I thought that was a bit of an ambitious thought. And it's hundreds and hundreds of photographs. I don't have time to scan all those. So there, the one picture that comes to mind, my dad's side of the family, again, I think it was his great aunts. So my two-time great aunts were fat ladies in the circus. And after he passed away, I found a photograph of at least six people, none of which are skinny. And they look like they might be in not a circus environment, but a caravan type environment. So I'm assuming that story is true, but I have absolutely no idea which two people in the picture are related or if all of them are or none of them are. That's uh, yes, that's an interesting um, conundrum. And at least it does underline why it's best. Well, there's any opportunity to do so to get, get, get these things notated. Um, and yeah, it may be possible with uh, research to um, place people, to put people in a place at a time. And that, that can be quite helpful. Um, but sometimes there, there do have to be certain assumptions made. And sometimes we, you know, you can't guarantee anything. Um, but it kind of, that sort of leads me on to something else. And that is that the, the, the one thing that we won't do is go along with story invention, just because perhaps I have a cl classic example of a client who um, believed that he was related to a former king of England um, who used to visit the, uh, the country house where his forebear was a servant. And he, this particular former king was, was known for being a bit of a naughty boy. And, um, <laughs> What we were able to do was provide circumstantial evidence that that was highly likely, but the DNA wasn't conclusive. And we have to say, you know, that this, you know, there's a caveat here, this doesn't prove anything. So before you submit this to court, just you know, understand that it is speculation. But of course, we do, we do find stories that are simply highly probable and in other cases, we disproved. So we had one situation with a, a family uh, on the East Coast where the um, assumption through the surname and some family lore, if you like, was that they were related to a former US president. Hmm. In fact, what we were able to do was demonstrate that they were very close uh, way back then but not actually related. So there was a crossover, but they weren't actually related. So it's interesting. So sometimes we're proving things, occasionally we're disproving them, but it's important to try and get it right. I think I have one last question for you. So you said you've, you've experienced the dementias in your family. 
what part of your family have you traced back since I'm assuming you've had challenges because of the memory loss? I am. Um, well, speaking for myself, I am. Uh, if I if I said I am a case of the cobbler's shoes, does that translate in North America? It does. Yes, the uh, shoemaker's children don't have shoes. Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> where, as a teenager, I had a great interest. Uh, I'm, I'm from, uh, I've got very old bones, as they say. So my oldest grandparent was born in 1870. And I'm, mm. as you can see, a very young man. So it's quite remarkable, isn't it? it but it's true. <laughs> and because I've got these old bones, I realised that my... Parents were a little bit older than other kids' parents at the school, and consequently my <coughs> grandparents were too. It, it fired up an interest in me, um, and I did start looking into it. But because I was a teenage boy, of course, this is something that got a little bit left behind as other priorities uh, took over. So I'm, 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 I'm incomplete. But I, yeah, I do have some uh, things that are of interest. Um, what does come up... Uh, what was coming up when my kids were younger, <clears throat> Dad, what about this or what about that? And I told well, I know that. And, and there's that moment where you realise they're not there anymore. And this is, this is you know, for me, the, um, <clears throat> that's where the, uh, the experience came from, that it is just so, so, so important to, to preserve things and to understand things as well. I'm reminded when you were talking about your family, the one family story that might be really fascinating to trace and might actually be doable is my paternal great-grandmother crossed the United States, I think from the Midwest, in a covered wagon. And they also lived in a dugout, which is a hill that they've dug out and lived in. My great-grandmother would tell me this story. I was about nine. This was back in the day when Little House on the Prairie was a very popular television show. Right. So as a cheeky little nine-year-old, I was like, eh, this isn't any more interesting than the TV show. So I, I got the stories, but not the way I would like them now as a not nine-year-old child. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And since it's my grandmother that is almost 102, since she's still around, we might actually be able to trace that one. I'll have to think about that. Now that now that we've talked, I'm realizing there's a lot more interesting stories back there. Yeah, so, I mean, with a little bit of ge genealogy uh, and a bit of historical research, because the historical research is also important to understand social history and, 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 and migrations within what is now the United States um, were took a long time and they were very significant. They were no less significant in many ways than crossing an ocean. Um, and in some, you know, quite often there is um, academic or historical background that we can, we can lean on to paint quite a bit of detail into some of these stories. So it's, we've done this recently for a couple of clients. We've done, um, especially east to west migrations it really is. It really is very interesting, and um, well, all I say is we have a fairly big budget for books because we buy a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> that interests me too. I'm a reader, 
So when we talked back earlier this year, you guys thought you might be in San Francisco. Is that still hopefully on the schedule? We uh, we can be. We are um, we are already coast to coast and uh, and international. So um, we can we can be wherever, almost whenever. So we we expect to. Um, when we've gone truly global, and we have a sizzling operation in Australia as well as uh, U.S. and Canada, and and, uh, and and perhaps in in parts of Asia, then things really will get complicated. But at the moment, it is actually very manageable for us to work across North America, coast to coast. Um, we tend to be working obviously on one project at a time. So getting out to see people and having consultations with people is something that we can arrange, and we we do do that. We obviously will do that in a in a in a trip, and that's um, that's easily done. Uh, and we're partly based in um, in the US. Uh, we have local film crew, technical people. All our uh, technicians are. Um, mostly based in Philadelphia but also on the west coast um so yeah we can we can service it uh and talk to people and engage with people very very easily so all, all parts well, my of the dad, sorry <laughs> well my dad's family emigrated from Iowa so that might be a place you haven't been to yet i don't think we have that would be interesting I have not been to Iowa either, so it would be also interesting for me as well. I do, I'm, I'm behind on my traveling. I, I do recall from my school days, um, guess some kind of picture book, map, some um, illustrated map book I had, that Iowa is um, uh, is rural and agricultural. And I, I think I, suppose, I remember that they they have a lot of pigs there. Is that right? Yes, and I think corn, cool. although the town that I live in grows lots of, it's called Brentwood Sweet White Corn, and it's exported globally. So I'm not particularly interested in Iowa's corn. Because <laughs> you've got better corn. Oh, I would assume so. <laughs> I think we have better weather. It's hot. And better artichokes. So we know about artichokes. Well, I'm not big on artichokes, so California has better artichokes than other places. You're, you're telling me. I I remember uh, from my travels, uh, artichokes, and there's a place called Garlic, known as Garlic City. Is there not? Gilroy. Yeah. That is. Um, let's see. San Francisco is about 50 miles. Let's see. We're northeast, so southwest. Gilroy is probably another 30 miles. So they're about 80 miles away say about 25, 30 kilometers, if I'm doing that right. I think I might have done that backwards. It's a little still early for me. <laughs> but yes, they have a three-day garlic festival. You can get garlic ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Haven't tasted that yet. <laughs> I like sweet ice cream. So yes, when you drive through there at certain times of the year, it makes you want to... Um, Italian food, garlic bread, because mm -hmm. it just oh, smells so good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I did actually live on the west coast myself for a while up in well up in Vancouver actually, and um, so I was frequent visitor to California for a number of years. And it's um, it it does it's it's not a, a an out of the way you know it, it's it all it all fits with us. So anybody who wants to 
uh, talk to us. We, we we engage, you know, without obligation. So uh, anybody who wants to engage, we can engage with very simply and hopefully answer some questions. And if if it's pe- something that people don't want to do, don't want to do, then uh, at least we hope we will leave them better informed. Well, that sounds fantastic. I don't know why somebody wouldn't want to. I just have to narrow down what I which which direction I want to take the family <laughs> the family tree because there's a lot of interesting things. We have um both sides of the family of blended families back in the early 1900s. So that gets more complicated. They're not necessarily well, some of it was by marriage and some of it was like unofficial adoption. Right. So it'll be it would be interesting. I think the records would be challenging. Yeah, they are for now, but um, but we we did we it, it's amazing what can be found actually. And uh, to say we have people that are committed, to, you know, are, are committed to doing that, and uh, um, it, it, it's often a, a a question of going down a level. Um, there is a lot that can be gained online, obviously. Um, but it's very important at the end of the day to get in the local library, the local church, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes, you know, you're a school or a university, it could be anything. But uh, having feet on the ground in the irrelevant places is important. Um, hence, hence, that makes the, sense. Hence, hence the network, yeah. Well, I know my family, both sides, have used the Mormon temple that's not far from here it's a major one right oh i guess they have a huge genealogy library they do yes that's right i'll have to talk to my aunt and see what she's found my dad's my dad was the oldest of three boys so son number two converted to latter-day saints and married my aunt back in 1978 so i'm sure she has i'm going to ask her I'm going to text her when we're done and say, what kind of family history have you discovered? Yeah, absolutely. That, that would be a smart place to start. Mm. This has been super fascinating. Do you have any last suggestions for listeners who might be interested other than contacting you? Should they gather up photos or stories? Well, uh, yeah, do, do obviously contact us if we, if, if, uh, if our experience expertise can be of help uh, or, or to have a film done. But what I would certainly encourage everybody to do is to, uh, if you, if you haven't, if you're unable to film your living relatives, at least record them, uh, at least record their voices, gather the photographs. And it's a little bit like the old life insurance thing, isn't it? Don't, you know, don't put it off until the day that it's too late, I suppose. Uh, we're, all, we're all busy. We have busy lives. And we're all the same. It, it's very easy to, uh, to let it slip. But there is no time like the present, really, to, um, to gather and, and index and record um, your archive as well as recording your living, for, your living uh, relatives. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. I do record my mom sometimes, although those those can be a bit of a challenge to listen to at this point. Yeah, it it can it can get difficult, but then I'm sure you uh, as I recall being rewarded with moments of lucidity as well 
it might suddenly spark up with something very clear and that can be that I, I remember that being quite rewarding you you get those clear moments yeah I don't get big moments yesterday was the third anniversary of my father's passing and she was very talkative about her husband she doesn't recognize me as her daughter as she recognizes me as her best friend so that's okay right and she was talking a lot about her husband, this and that, and it's none of it made much sense, but there was a couple of sentences that was like, okay, wait, that sounded like logical. Yeah. And then we'd go off into, I don't know what's where she was. It was very interesting. So she got really a little testy with me when I asked if she was going to take a vacation soon. I was just trying to have a normal conversation. So I quickly stopped asking that question. Right. Well, this has been very interesting, and I want to encourage everybody to at least go to the website, myfamilyhistoryfilm.com, no S on the end of film, and look at the examples and maybe contact John and Hugh and see what they can do for you. Yeah, thank you so much, Jen. It's much appreciated and been a pleasure speaking with you today. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this bonus episode today. I hope you enjoyed the topic. I hope we intrigue you into discovering more about your family history and perhaps embarking on a project of creating your own documentary family history film. Be sure to follow both Fading Memories and My Family History Film on social media. And as always, I will be in your ears again next Tuesday.